G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. If you've never put any of those moments into practice, he says you're like a foolish builder who builds his house, his life, on a weak foundation. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. I'm Bill. Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. Now, do you have perfect church attendance? And does it matter? Are you convicted by what you read in the Bible, but make no real changes in your life? These are just a few questions Pastor Jeff is about to get into in this message. We'll be looking at James chapter 1, verse 22, about putting God's Word into practice in order to be truly blessed. So let's hear from Pastor Jeff now on Today with Jeff Vines. James 1, 22, this message, there's a great lesson to be learned here, a valuable lesson. And to help get us started, I need to play a game of true and false with you. Now, those of you in school right now, you've done this a lot. Some of you are good at it, some of you are not so good. But just to make sure we're on the same page, true or false, here's the first one, true or false. Los Angeles is a smog-free city. (laughs) That's false, okay? So just to make sure we're on the same page, thinking along the same lines, question number two. Slow drivers who drive in the fast lane should be executed. Okay, what is that? That is true. See, that is true. That is true. Now, of course, you do it in the name of Jesus, but nevertheless, they should be executed. So some of you are a little off base there. Here's the third question. Out of the thousands of people who were deep fried their Thanksgiving turkey, 15 will burn their houses down. That is actually true. Released by State Farm and Allstate. Now, here's the fourth question. Now, the fourth question is the important one. First three just kind of get us started, and I want you to help me answer it. Going to church on weekends automatically brings life. Now, the key word here is automatically. That's the operative word. Going to church on weekends automatically brings life transformation, true or false? That's right. There's nothing magical that happens to you when you walk in the back door. You know that, right? Just because you're here, even if you have perfect attendance, even if, and I wish some of you did, but even if you come, One or two times out of the month, however many times you come, there's nothing magical. Just because you're here doesn't mean automatically that you're going to make great strides in overcoming temptation. It doesn't mean that you're going to make great strides in becoming holy and righteous and pure in your sexual life or your thought life. Okay? Just because you're here does not mean that life transformation will ever take place. I know people who are church junkies who've been coming to church for 50 years and no change takes place. Now, 
I want you to grab hold of this because James writes, James 1.22, but he's the brother of Jesus. And he's so struck by something Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that he writes about it. Now, the story that strikes him is when Jesus told the story about the two different types of people who build a life or build a house. He said, there's one guy that builds a house and he builds it on a strong, firm foundation so that when the storms of life come, the house stands strong. And that kind of guy is the kind of man who hears the word of God and then not only does he hear it, but he moves past that and actually puts it into practice. That's the guy who builds his life on a firm foundation and when the troubles of life come, his house stands strong. He said, but there's a second kind of guy He's the kind of guy that hears, but he never actually does anything. He hears a lot. He listens a lot, but he never actually moves past hearing into doing. And Jesus says, that's a guy who builds his house on the foundation of sand. And when the storms come, the house crashes and great is the fall. Remember the song we used to sing when we were little? Remember? Rains came down, floods came up, rains came down, floods came up, rains came down, floods came up, and the house went tumbling down. Now, some of you are thinking, I never heard that song. It's because you're young. (laughs) Well, we old people know exactly what that meant. So that in Jesus' parable, he makes three points, crystal clear. Number one, everybody builds a life. Every decision you make, every book you read, every movie you watch, every place you go, you are building a life. Second, storms will inevitably come. That is a promise of scripture. Did you know that? That there are going to be times in your life where you're going to struggle relationally, financially, even physically. Storms are a fact of life. Isn't that a promise that you really like? I mean, you count on that promise. I'm just banking on the promise of God that my life's going to fall apart at some point. And then third, two kinds of builders. The foolish builder who hears and never actually does anything, and the wise builder who hears and moves past hearing into doing. Now, here's Jesus' point, and it's important. It's good that you're here. It's this place that you're going to have life-defining moments that the light's going to be turned on for you. That you're going to hear something that says, man, that's it. I got it. That is life-changing. That is life-defining. But Jesus says, just because you have those moments, it's not enough. In fact, if you have moments like these, but you never put any of those moments into practice, he says, you're like a foolish builder who builds his house, his life on a weak foundation. And your life will be just as unstable as everybody else's life. And you will have just as much anxiety and fear and doubt and worry and depression as everybody else in the world. And when the storms come, he says, your house is going to crash and great will be the crash. Now stay with me. Do I have you still? Listen. Some people are in church because their life crashed. In fact, a lot of people find their way to church because they had a life crash. Something interesting happened this past Thanksgiving. I went out to some of the sites. And uh, when I went out, I met some people. And I met three moms this year. Three moms in three different locations that told me the same story. Now, the details aren't exact, but it was the same story. And a mother would grab me by the arm, Pastor Jeff, I'm so glad you came to our site. I've been wanting to talk to you. And usually that means I'm in trouble. But in this case, it was good in all three occasions. The mother would say to me something like this. This is the general story. I had a son. He was addicted to drugs. He was with the wrong crowd. His life was going nowhere. We prayed and prayed. We were so concerned. Finally, I begged him to go online and watch a few of your messages, and he did. And then he was intrigued, and he came to church. And then... He came to Christ and then he got baptized at one of the baptismal services. 
three stories on the same day. What are the chances? That's uncanny. Now, a lot of people are here because they were having a life crash and they came because they want to build their life on a foundation so when the storms come in the future, they will not crash again. And I always know who they are, first of all, because I see everything. That's the first reason. Second reason is I can see it in their eyes. They know, hey, the way I've been living my life has been a disaster. I've had a life, a relational, a financial, a health crash, and I want to come and build my life on something that's more eternal so that will never happen again. And so you can, you can see them. They're moving past hearing into doing. Now, are you? Are you? There's nothing magical in that door. Nothing special that happens when you walk in here. Now, folks, we all know this dynamic. We understand it. Let me give you a few examples. Let me beat this drum for a moment. Don't you wish that just by reading a book on dieting, you could lose 10 pounds? Wouldn't it be great if you could just buy a stack of books on dieting, put them at your bedside table, and just look at them before you go to sleep, and the next morning you wake up, get on the scale, you lost 10 pounds. Wouldn't that be terrific? Some of you, in your homes, you have exercise equipment. And the day you bought it, you just felt better. I mean, you went to Sears, and you just looked at it, and immediately you felt more healthy. And you put it in the truck and you shipped it to your house and you assembled it or somebody assembled it for you and you put it in the corner and you stood back and you just felt healthy right away. But you never used it. But you thought at first just by having it that you would develop six pack abs just by having it in the corner. That was good enough. James, the brother of Jesus, is so struck by this parable that Jesus tells in Matthew that he writes these words and you young people, man, get out your Bibles. I hope you have. I want to unpack this for you. It is filled with a treasure. And James writes in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. James is saying to equate hearing with spiritual progress is to deceive yourself. It's like saying, I bought a book on dieting, therefore I've lost 10 pounds. Or I just bought a gym membership, I already look better. He says it doesn't work like that, but we deceive ourselves. It's even worse, folks, in the church. And I've seen this all my life, which is why I'm so passionate about it now. Usually we think if I go to church and I sing those worship songs and I feel all ooey-gooey inside and I listen to the message and resist the temptation to check my email or to text my friends, if I'm able to do that, then I automatically must be growing spiritually. And we equate attendance with spiritual formation. As a matter of fact, there is a new spiritual dynamic taking place. It's not brand new. It's been around for about 20 years and here's how it goes. We've equated in church feeling guilty with spiritual transformation. You with me? So if I go to church and Pastor Jeff makes me feel guilty, oh man, Pastor Jeff's right. That's in my life and it shouldn't be. I feel really guilty. Man, I feel guilty. That was a great weekend. That just, man, I feel guilty. That was a powerful sermon. Next. But we do nothing about it. We think just because we felt guilty, we must be making progress. We've equated feeling convicted with growing in our faith. Oh man, Pastor Jeff convicted me, man, about how I'm using my body, about the things I think about and the way I spend my money and some of the, I feel, man, I have just felt convicted. That was a great church service. But you walk out, you do nothing. And worse yet, we've equated feeling bad with repentance. You with me? Oh man, I feel really bad. 
Pastor Jeff made me feel, feel, I just feel so worthless and bad because I'm a bad, bad boy. (laughs) Next. It's like we think doing that is the same as repenting. I played basketball in college with a guy named Wes Moore. He now is the University of Tennessee Chattanooga basketball coach. Great coach, but he had quite a temper in college. And I remember this one game, we were playing Alice Lloyd, which is the NAIA powerhouse, kind of like Azusa is on the West Coast, they are on the East Coast. We went up in the mountains of North Carolina to play this team, great basketball team. They had this big guy in the middle, man, looked like a big Samoan. And my friend Westmore kept beating his guy on the dribble. And this guy, as Westmore would come by, this big guy would just stick his arm out and clothesline him, just right around the neck. And my friend West would just drop to the ground. And this big guy then would reach down pick my friend Wes up and say, sorry. So about second quarter, my friend Wes beats his defensive player on the dribble, goes by him, and here's that big guy again, sticks his arm out, clotheslines him for the second time, then reaches down, picks him up and says, I'm sorry. Now the third time it happened, my friend Wes beat his defender on the dribble, went around him, here's this big guy, clotheslined him for his third foul, he reaches down and picks my friend Westmore up and says, sorry. And my friend Westmore looked at him and said, stop apologizing and repent. <laughs> stop saying you're sorry and do a 180 degree turn and stop clotheslining me. Got it? That's what James is trying to say. That you have to go beyond hearing and feeling. That's not enough. You've actually got to go about doing something. Now stay with me in the text, young people. Listen, in verse 23, he gives a wonderful word picture of how this works. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now look at that. What does that mean? How can you look in the mirror and then walk away and forget what you look like? For a long time, what does this mean? Now, my friend Andy Stanley gives a little bit synopsis here. It makes a really good point in trying to describe what's happening here. When you get up in the morning, all of you, be honest, you're in church. When you get up, you look bad and you know it. You don't want to go outside looking like that. So most of us wake up in the morning, we see ourselves and we say, whoa, man, I got to do something about that. I mean, you know you're not quite yourself or maybe you know that you are yourself and you need some serious work. (laughs) Now, what James is saying is that it's like looking in the mirror in the morning and knowing that something needs to be done, but then walking away to your closet, getting dressed and going to work or school anyway without taking care of business. He says, you would never do that. By the way, think about it. How long do you stand in front of the mirror in the morning? I know the answer for all of you, unless you're a junior high. How long do you stand in the mirror? As long as it takes until you fix what is broken. Girls, I know what you'll do. You'll use the brush or the comb or the color if necessary. Guys, you'll pluck hairs on your ears and in your nose. You'll do You'll do whatever it takes to get ready to go out for the day. Now, here's what James is. It's a humorous way. Basically, what he's saying is humorous. It's clever. He's saying to see clearly that I need to forgive somebody before the bitterness destroys me and everybody around me, to see clearly that I need to get out of this relationship before I stray even further away from God, to see clearly that I need to go to CR before this addiction takes everything from me, 
to see clearly that I need to honor the Lord's work through my finances before he disciplines me, to see clearly that I need to confess something I'm hiding before it completely destroys me, to come into this building, to come to church and see clearly what needs to be done, to look in a spiritual mirror and say, wow, I got to take care of that, and then walk out and doing nothing is the same as getting up in the morning, looking at how bad you really look, going to the closet, getting dressed, and going to work anyway without taking care of business. And he's saying you would never do that in the physical world, yet you do it in the spiritual world all the time, and the spiritual world has greater ramifications. He says, don't do it. The point is the real world gives you no credit for looking in the mirror. Think about it. Now, just, just play along with it. Imagine this. Imagine that, let's use me, that I get up in the morning and I say, whoa, whew, this is not good. But I go to work or to school anyway. Now, your real friend will come up and talk to you. The people who really love you. Let's say a real friend came up to me and said, Pastor Jeff, dude, you okay? Of course, I'd get defensive. What? I'd say, well, your hair is like crazy. And, and you stink, man. And your face needs some serious attention. Now, what would you say if I were to respond by saying, well, I looked in the mirror. Do you think my friend would say, oh, as long as you looked in the mirror, that's all it takes. Now, we go one worse in the church. Imagine me going on to work after I've looked how physically frustrated. (laughs) Use whatever words you want, adjective, describe the way you look in the morning. And I go to work. And then a friend meets me and says to me the same thing. Pastor Jeff, you okay? And then I respond by saying, pray for me. I need to shave. I need makeup. I need my hair washed. There are just some physical changes, some issues that are wrong with me. Pray for me. Now, a true friend is going to respond by saying, dude, pray for you. Why don't you just go home and take care of something? Go home, wash your head, man. Take a shower, use some deodorant. What do you mean pray for you? And I say, no, no, just pray for me. I really need prayer. And the point James is making, you would never ever do that in your physical life. But it's exactly what you do in your spiritual life. And it's why you never move from hearing to doing and why life transformation seldom takes place. Now, I want you to stay with me. I want want to take a little time out here, describe something, then finish the passage. One of my life-defining moments was in high school. It was my last basketball practice. And I knew it because we had a game the next day. And whether we won the game or lost the game, it would be the final game. It was the championship game. And I knew it was my last basketball practice. And for some odd reason, we just finished running suicides, which you know what that is if you're a basketball player. And I was leaning up against the wall. And and here I am, 17 years old, and little tears start coming down my face. I was crying. You know, Pastor Jeff, you're an emotional guy. That doesn't surprise me. Well, not really. I am now. I am now. As I've gotten older, the more emotional. I can't even go to Toy Story anymore. But as I've gotten older, I am a little more emotional. But when I was younger, I really wasn't. But I found myself just kind of weeping. My high school basketball coach, who is, was a great man, is still a great man, came over to me, put his arm around me, and he says, you know what's wrong, don't you? I said, no, nothing's wrong. And he said, no, it's okay. It's all right, Jeff. I can tell you what's wrong. I said, What? He says, right now, you're remembering all the times of missed opportunities. Right now, you're thinking about all the things you could have done to achieve a greater level of greatness. 
He knew that more than anything I wanted, I had a poor family, I wanted to get a Division I basketball scholarship. That was my dream. And he says, right now you're remembering of all the efforts you could have put in and had you had the courage, you could have gone another level. And he wasn't saying it in a derogatory fashion. He was saying it like this. I know because I've been there and learn from it now. Learn from it. Now I want you to hear me. All of you people, all of you people, all of us together, especially the young, and you can determine whatever age cutoff that is on your own. Listen, listen to me. There's only one person who's going to stop you from becoming everything you want to be, and that one person is you. The passions that you have in your heart, where do you think they come from? The calling on your life? Look, you don't have to be a preacher to please God. You can be the president and please God. You can be a CEO of a financial corporation and please God. You can be a professional athlete and please God. There are desires and passions in you. And the only person that can stop you from being and fulfilling those passions and the desires, the only person that can stop you is you. And it's called a failure of heart, a lack of courage. Stay with me now. Let me build this just for a second. I have met plenty of couples who should have been divorced a long time ago. But one of the couple said, I am going to move past hearing into doing. They had a strength of heart and decided they're going to do whatever it takes to save their marriage, and they did. I've met teenagers who've grown up in homes that were a disaster. Every home is dysfunctional, but these were super dysfunctional. These kids had no chance whatsoever, and yet they came out of those homes. Not only did they survive, but they would thrive, all because one of those teenagers decided, I'm going to move past hearing into doing. I'm going to show a strength of courage, a strength of heart, and whatever needs to be done, I'm going to get it done. I've seen athletes who had average talent go far beyond those who were super talented because an act of the will courage and strength of heart. And what I'm trying to say, that the only person that can stop you, and you can apply this, forget about your Christian faith for a moment. Did a pastor really say that? I'm simply saying this. This applies across the board in every arena, not just your faith. It applies to everything. The only person that will stop you from becoming what you want to be, what God wants you to be and fulfilling the passions and desires of your heart. The only person that can stop you is you if you listen to the lie of the world that you don't have what it takes to succeed. And at the time in your life when you realize that God has given you everything, everything, the passion, the desire, and the ability, at that point you'll believe in yourself because you believe in God in you and you will accomplish what God causes you to accomplish because you'll have strength of heart. I really want to keep listening, but we need to pause there for today. We'll continue from there next time with Pastor Jeff helping us look at putting God's Word into practice, meaning are we moving past hearing and into doing? Join me next time. This also helps you understand, am I a person that's moving past hearing into doing? Am I a person that's moving past hearing into doing? Don't you want to know that? Today 
with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.